0: Well, and if you don't believe us, go on to YouTube when, you, when you're when you done listening to this and find one of those, you know, there's loads of them videos of somebody who says, I did max squats every day for two years. Here's what happened. <laughs> the consequences are they actually didn't get much stronger. Um, they questioned their life every day and they're never going to do a squat again. So the proof is in the pudding. <laughs>
1: Howdy, friends, and welcome back to episode 17 of the Matchbox Podcast presented by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Saban, and this week we're covering the topic of midseason breaks. Who are they for? Why do we need them? And what should your midseason break look like? Stay tuned to find out. As always, if you like what you hear, share this with your friends and leave us a five-star review. If you want us to cover a training-related topic in a future episode, drop an email to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email title of the Matchbox Podcast, or send us a message on Instagram. All right, let's get into it. Okay. <laughs> I, I, idiom I, already, I definitely Drew. don't
2: have an idiom. I definitely just picked up the... <laughs> oh, here Drew, we go. Here we go. Davy Jones' locker. To be drowned <laughs> at sea. That's literally what it means. To just be drowned at the sea. Can
3: it's you probably, use I'll it in a
2: sentence? Got I went Davy on a Jones. ship and I went to Davy Jones' locker. And they never saw me again.
3: I haven't heard Davy Jones' locker since I watched Spongebob I, when I was Man, you five. know what? Spongebob, I talked
2: about him last week. All right, I've influenced Dylan. Who do you mean? I've, um, I influenced. I watched. Davy Jones' stuff. locker could definitely be way more of an idiom than just being drowned at sea. <laughs> like, instead of saying "Let's go to the pain cave or the hurt locker," we could just say, "Oh man, I just did a, such a hard workout. I was in Davy Jones' locker."
0: <laughs> Would that be cool? <laughs> or if you're a legion speaking to Drew, you could say, mm. "If you do that again, we're going to put you in Davy Jones' locker." <laughs> <laughs> I was, I,
3: is Lee has anyone from Legion talked to you about your thumbnails yet? No, but every time I get a comment, I'm afraid that it's gonna be them.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we're coming after you, bro. <laughs> I feel like they're the kind of people that maybe wouldn't comment because they wouldn't want people to see them commenting negative, mm. negative,
3: negatively. But then they would just come. After I thought me they, the I thought race. they take online criticism really badly. Yeah, that's what I mean. So they would comment and be really butt about it. Oh, I also only have a thousand
2: subscribers, so the odds of them seeing it are maybe slim. But
0: I'm gonna go ahead yeah, and say that that's they cycling don't, YouTube they don't channel know. on
2: on YouTube. I am the right now. Yeah, somebody <laughs> commented on my videos this week and said I'm probably the best cycling channel on YouTube right now. <laughs> so I take that to mean um, the next video is probably gonna be like. The demise of Dylan Johnson. Mm.
3: Yeah, just just write, just do a video that's like why Dylan Johnson is wrong about everything. <laughs> yeah, I've always made wanted up. to do a video like that.
2: <laughs> no, but for for all those who aren't have no idea what we're talking about, I did two. Have I've put out two videos from Tulsa Tough, um, and in both of those videos, I kind of like shed some light onto Legion and their somewhat negative style of racing. Um, And literally in the second one I posted, I just put the demise of Legion because I was right in the thick of it when best buddies passed Legion in the last couple laps and overtook them and ended up going one, two and it was pretty sweet to see Legion get, get beaten. Uh,
0: I'm excited to watch this video. Yeah, you should. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, Hopefully I'll be able to like edit the crybaby Hill one, because that one's you know that's like the biggest day of Tulsa, so that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally took Dylan's advice, and for the first video I put out from Blue Dome Crit, I literally just took a screenshot of the of the worst crash I could find, and it was like a bike flying in the air, almost about to hit me, mm-hmm. and then I just put in big cat all
3: caps Crash Fest, and it got a lot of it got a lot your, of your your title was left some to be desired for sure yeah
2: <laughs> oh well i figured if i put it as the blue dome and just give it the title of the race more people would find it when they search the race no is that not no one's searching no for one, that
4: no race. one
1: no one cares about their,
3: the actual race Beep. they just want to well, see the some people do oh, okay compared to the number of people that would click on it from from like suggested video yeah
2: mm, okay
3: You should have, the title should have been something like, you know, uh, I can't believe I survived this crit or something in all caps.
2: Yeah, (laughs) you're probably right. I mean, I can always go back and change it, right?
3: Yeah. So do that right now. I will after this call.
1: (laughs) All right. So that was, so Tulsa was two weekends ago. Anyone have anything going on this past weekend?
3: Sitting on the couch.
0: I raced yeah, Harlem sick. skyscraper crit um, in Harlem, New York. In the Big oh, Apple. Oh, that's the race. That's right.
2: I saw you yeah. on the results. You were up there, weren't you?
0: Yeah. It it was um You were
2: like 10th or something?
0: Yeah, somewhere around there. So it, it was an interesting one. Um New York City is is cool to me. Like I like big cities. It's kind of a fun place to visit. Um we we were mostly going to um like do some video content for a sponsor. And so the race, the race wasn't necessarily the, the full priority. And our director told us, Hey, you know, like you guys got to stay safe. Like, you know, if it gets sketchy, like don't, don't crash going into nationals. Um, so that was definitely in the back of my mind. Um, and it turned out that the race was extremely sketchy. Um, so for those, nobody saw it because they didn't stream it, which is a bummer. Um,
2: yeah, but the course, I was trying to find it. I was so bummed.
0: It, it was very, um, it definitely, yeah, it yeah. was. And However, so far,
2: they've had really good uh, pub- publicity. Like, they had really yeah. good live streams. Um, right. So this one, I think, when it when you logged in to look at the live stream, it said something like, sorry, our tech team couldn't figure out how to do the live stream. And they said it, it was because it was in New York City.
1: They
0: don't have internet there. But yeah, which is like... Mm. So, you know, let me start off by saying that it, the race was lacking a lot of kind of um, some of, like, the, the quality that we look forward to having at, like, other top top U.S. races. Um, but, you know, it, it is in New York City. I mean, it's, it's probably a lot more expensive to put on. And um, I was still glad that I went. I thought it was a cool race. But... It was a relatively narrow course. The The corners were sort of like rounded off. So it was almost like a ginormous oval. <laughs> and uh, pancake flat, obviously. Kind of bad pavement. And so it was very, very, very easy to sit in. And they shortened our race to 60 minutes because they got off schedule. There was a massive pileup halfway through. So we, 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 Took a little break at half an hour in. Everybody got their heart rate down, ate some snacks. We got back to it, and so like there was probably and then they fifty were like, dudes. Three to go. Yeah, there was probably fifty dudes who told you that they were gonna win that race. You know, at like the fifty minute mark, and so it was just like it was wild. Um, you know, and so I I did my best to to pull a result without, you know. Pushing it too hard. Um, there was, like, a couple of corners where, like, the outside was, like, would send you right into the fencing, you know. And it just seemed like uh, there's a lot of, like, pinching going on. And
1: and, and truthfully, like, I just kind of... Was that because it went from, like, a six-lane road down to, like, a four-lane road or something?
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the there was definitely some of that. So, like, the start-finish was you know, six lanes wide, super wide. And then it got narrower and then a little wider then a little narrower again. So it's sort of like undulated in its width. Um, but, but really I think what was happening was that like, you know, Legion best buddies, whoever would, would take the corner, or they would go to the left side of the road. Right. And then, so the right side would be open and that's where you would move up hypothetically and then they would swing back to the outside to take the corner, like, to set up. And so then everybody who was there would get totally pinched. And so there was just, like, a lot of, like, compression of the field from the sides. And so there was, like, just constantly people getting squished. <laughs> um, but with all that said, we were in New York City. There was a huge crowd, was super fast. So it, it was really fun. Legion lost again. Um so that, that was just it's just interesting to see like more scenarios where like Legion is is challenged by these other teams. Um, namely Best Buddies, who's doing a fantastic job these days. Um who else? I think uh there's a human powered health guy there. That was kinda cool.
4: Um
0: I felt good. I had fun. We rode city bikes around, which are like the little like those little um like commuter bikes that you pay for, whatever.
3: Mm. Um sweet. What was yeah, one had, thing
2: you did you did really well in the race, Andrew?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I was um I was extremely efficient.
4: Mm.
0: So, you know, I stayed stayed near the front the whole race. Um, you know, I would like let off the gas into almost every single corner and just like I would coast for probably ten seconds. And then, like, take the corner and just, like, still be right there on the wheel. You know, whereas other guys were maybe, like, feeling nervous or trying to play catch-up in terms of their position, and they would, like, sprint all the way to the corner and then, like, grab a handful of brakes, take the corner, sprint back out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I was, uh, you know, I have uh, one athlete who does a lot of these, you know, like, you know, high-level crits. Um, So it's always really fun to kind of, look at his files, look at my files, you know, and I can like kind of get a good sense of like um, what, you know, like how efficient I'm being or how efficient he is being. <laughs> that's um, funny. I talked
2: to that athlete at Tulsa and he literally told me that you guys had that exact conversation. I said, Hey man, how you been doing? He's like, man, I need to figure out how to be more efficient at these races.
1: <laughs> and he told <laughs> me that I'm like, that's
2: <laughs> hilarious.
1: That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Andrew, do you think uh, your your director telling you guys to kind of like ride more efficiently, do you think that helped at all?
0: Um, did it help? Uh, I mean, no, it, I don't think it helped with the efficiency. Well, yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, I think mostly his, his – the take home message that we got from him was, was just to like not crash just to like be safe. <laughs> um, and so I think we got out there and it was like very evident that our lives were in danger. And so <laughs> we just like
2: <laughs> racing guys, man, just it's
0: chilled. <laughs> dangerous well, and it was funny. Stuff. So like on the cool down lap, I said to Corey, uh, Williams, I was like, man, that was crazy. Like we were just cooling down. We happened to be right next to each other. <laughs> And he was like, "Yeah, and I was like, "You love that stuff though, And he's like, "Not like that, man, not like that <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, All right, well, I guess we're all in agreement,
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that's good
0: i I think, yeah, that it was a tough race for them, and I think that he probably like wasn't psyched on talking to me at that moment, but
2: it's all right, yeah." And, yeah, if I if I go from winning a lot of races to not winning that many, I'd be upset too. Yeah,
0: yeah and then some guys just come come talk to you like that was pretty crazy. <laughs> some rando. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, it's funny how like I feel really good when I get a top ten, <laughs> but to them, it's like a top ten is not what they go to those races for at
0: all. No, no, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they're you know, Corey's a very talented sprinter. I you know, I get it and. Um, I think the hardest thing, like the thing that like my team will get upset about sometimes, the one area where like people get really disappointed is if we know we could have done better, right? Like we talked about this with Tulsa, Mm. it's all about expectations. So like if the best you could have done is fifth, you went and you got fifth, that's like a gold medal for you, you know? But if you, you know, make a mistake or underperform or for whatever reason, you kind of fail to perform you know, at the level that you knew you could or should, that's that's when you're like, oh, man. Right. So for yeah. me, like this past weekend, like, yeah, could I have done a little bit better? Would I have liked to have done a little bit better? Yeah, that would have been cool. But like racing, you know, like a relatively sketchy race, trying to stay safe, I felt pretty good about that. I was like, yeah. It's so like, uh, you know, I get my like safety merit badge. I get my 10th place. <laughs> Pick up my hundred bucks. You know it's. it's so, all good.
2: <laughs> can we conclude that the Harlem Crit is almost? We could probably call it the the Crit Locker of Davy Jones Locker. The Crit Did Locker? Did I just say Crit Locker? Oh man, I jumble my words sometimes. The, I get too excited. The Davy Jones and they all Locker just, of Crit Racing. They all just come out at once. Yeah, the Davy Jones Locker of Crit Racing. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Is Davy Jones Locker dangerous? Yeah, it's death by sea. Okay. <laughs> there there was some C mysterious water the, on is, the course But this C is the capital C Found in the word crit Death by C <laughs> Alright That's our idiom of the day David Jones Locker I'm going to find 10 more times To say it within this
1: <laughs> So this week <laughs> This week on the show We're going to cover the topic of Mid-season breaks Uh so, kind of going into, into like, you know, who should be taking a midseason break? What does that look like? Why we take midseason breaks? And I think it's really relevant for all of us right now. Dylan just came off of his own midseason break. Uh, Andrew and Drew are heading into pro Nats this weekend. And then, Drew, you're racing amateur Nats the weekend after. Uh, so, I would assume that you guys are probably coming up on a midseason break pretty soon. I'm racing Lutzen 99er this weekend, and I'll be taking my midseason break after that so we figured it was kind of timely for us to talk about this um most you know most high level athletes take at, at least some kind of mid-season break as long as they've got a prolonged season ahead of them still so that's kind of what we're going to get into mm-hmm. today where do we Sweet. start let's, um,
0: let's start with who who needs a mid break should we all just raise our hands all right <laughs> So um and maybe well yeah, maybe we everyone? can maybe we can uh talk about maybe like special cases where somebody you know wouldn't wouldn't need a midseason break. So um I'll, yeah,
3: I'll I, sur- I go ahead. I was gonna I would say that it probably if you're here's if if there's people that need a midseason break and people that don't need a midseason break, this is I guess how I think about it. If you're any sort of frequent racer, um, like there's some people who only race once or twice a year and I wouldn't call them frequent racers. But if you consider yourself a racer and you're doing many races throughout the season, doesn't it doesn't even have to be like, you know, 20 or 30 races, just you're you're racing frequently. You need a midseason break. Um, and then as we go down from there, uh, people who are just kind of, maybe they race occasionally, um, or they don't race at all. I would say it probably depends on how many hours per week you train, um, and how close to your volume ceiling you are. And what I mean by that is, is like the volume ceiling would be how, or Maybe training load ceiling because people could also train very intensely too and not have a high volume. But the training load ceiling would be how much training load could you sustain if you didn't have other life stresses getting in the way, like, you know, work and kids and uh, all that stuff. Um, So some people are able to achieve their training load ceiling even with all the other things that they have going on in their life, right? Um, and some people, that, you know, their schedule's just too busy and they're not not that close to their training load ceiling. I would say the closer that you are to your training load ceiling on a weekly basis, the more likely you need some sort of mid-season break.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think I agree with all that. I think that those are two good rules. So recapping, the, the main factors are, how close you are to the potential of how much you could train. Um, and then Mm -hmm. how often you're racing. Right. And so we know that racing is super stressful. It's, you know, typically an all out effort. So that's really stressful on the body. We know the travel is stressful. Um, and so, so yeah, we got, we got to rest. And so I guess maybe the next question is, you know, um, how how long does a mid-season break need to be and like how do you how do you time it like where where should it be within one year
3: Any yeah thoughts? i mean i so if you're planning out a race season hopefully there's a spot in that season where you can see a lull in the racing if you don't see a lull in the racing then i would encourage you to maybe Take out a few of those races so that there is a lull, um, and I would have your mid-season break at the start of that that lull. Um, so, how do you spell
2: lull? No. Can we say it a couple more times? Lull. I don't know
3: <laughs> how to spell it. I there's three
2: L's: L U L L L. I agree. Um, I also think that those those lulls <laughs> maybe. Happen naturally because, at least for me, there is usually naturally a couple <coughs> events that I am targeting, like big events. So, like this weekend's Pro Nats, so obviously this is a big weekend that I am targeting. And after this, it's like, well, my next big event isn't until maybe like Indie Creator Gateway, which aren't until August. So it's like, oh, well, there is a gap there. So I should take advantage of that gap and maybe detrain a little bit and like let my body rest. Um, that way I can go, you know, I think of it as like, you know, we, we, we kind of throw this around, but like a multi-peak season, you know, like I find a races and I make sure that they're kind of distance far enough apart from each other to where I can go into each of them feeling pretty good and have a good amount of like rest and training in between those events.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think one of the the biggest issues that I see come up is that you know, you're approaching your peak, um, you know, and like one of two things happens, you know, either maybe you, you sort of underperform a little bit, you know, like maybe you don't perform as well as you hoped you had or would, you know, and then you want to keep training hard so that you can like, you know, get, get to that elusive, like absolute peak form. Or on the other hand, you know, maybe you perform really well and you want to keep racing because you want to take advantage of this great form and, I will say, like, in either case, like, you know, if you get to your A event and it goes really well, you might be able to kind of flutter that form for another weekend. Or if it doesn't go so well, you can kind of, like, look at, you know, what happened there and maybe maybe you can still, like, achieve that peak performance maybe a week later by, you know, adjusting the taper or something like that. But um, I think the important thing is that you generally stick to the schedule. You don't get greedy. Um, you know, and, and, and you really have to build that in because my experience is that when you've planned your mid season break, well, you like, don't quite feel ready for it yet. So I think it's kind of like, um, getting hungry on the bike by the time you're hungry, it's kind of already too late. So in other words, you know, if, if you keep racing until you get to the point where you're like, dang man, like, (laughs) I I can't do another race. I'm like, I'm so tired or like, I, you know, I'm struggling in my workouts, things like that. You might've gone, I think too far. So, um, I I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I think, I I think it's important to kind of stay ahead of it and, um, you know, really just, you know, plan well and stick to the schedule. Well, I mean, Andrew, I think what
2: you're talking about there is go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, what I think Andrew's talking about is, is, uh, just being burnt out. I mean, like that's the number one thing that I think about when I think about a a break and any kind of break, uh, you know, even at the end of a season, but especially in the middle of the season is, uh, it's basically a burnout prevention protocol. Um, just made that (laughs) up. Um, but like, that's all you're trying to do is like, okay, I could keep training for the next two months, but, like, man, I'm going to be toast by the end of the season. So I'm going to take this mid-season break right now and, and kind of extend my season to where I can keep racing for as long as I want to keep racing um, without experiencing those burnout feelings that that Andrew was just describing.
0: Yeah, and, and before we we sort of move on and talk about, like, what happens during a mid-season break and what happens after, I'll I'll just note to kind of our listeners out there that... For for myself and most of my athletes, midseason breaks usually happen sort of, you know, six six months into the year. Um, I, I think you find like a ton of athletes will take their midseason break in, you know, June July. Um, the reason for that is because that's that's usually about like how long it's taken an athlete to kind of get to peak performance to get to their A event. Um, the spring calendar is always really really dense, um, and also. It leaves enough time on the other end of the break to kind of ramp back up, you know, and get back into form. Even if you're a road racer, you know, you, you can still race until you know September um, or later. So you need to have enough time on the other end to to build back up because you are going to lose some fitness, right? Like this, this break doesn't come at at no cost, and so you're going to have to kind of rebuild. And if you want to race well again, you need to give yourself a little bit of time to be able to do that. So, um, yeah, one, one thing I'll say too, is that
3: there's uh there's for sure people listening right now who are not convinced. Cause I know, cause I talk to these people on a regular basis that are like, <laughs> oh, I don't need a, I don't need any sort of mid season break. Like, you know, life is already, uh, very, you know, hectic for me. And sometimes I have to work for, a couple of days, and I don't get to ride that much. Like that's enough of a break. Um, I, I talk to these people all the time, and I guess I, here's a here's a little like what convinced me of the power of the midseason break is just kind of honestly more personal experience than anything else. Which is not something that you usually hear me say. Usually, you hear me say I looked at the research on it and i'm going to be honest there's just not a lot of research on it this is this is definitely more something that high level bike racers learn from experience um i have i have had a string of really bad races before where it's just bad race after bad race after bad race and if i try to do a workout in between there the workout doesn't go well i'm tired all the time i can't recover i just feel terrible nonstop. And, uh, and then I take a week off and it's like, you know, it's like I'm a new person. And I, <laughs> I remember one time in particular, I didn't want to take a mid season break because I had a race like literally two weeks away. Um, and so if I took a mid season break, I'd take a week off and then I would have like a week of training and then i would basically be in race week and i'm like i'll do terrible at that race if i take a mid-season break now but i was already doing terrible at the races i was doing so i was like well <laughs> i guess i'll i guess i'll you know what what do i have to lose i guess i'll do right. a mid-season break and i i won that race and i beat my previous like course record on that course because um, it's one of these courses that is the same every year so even if you do have a race right around the corner, it's not necessarily like, like taking a week off is going to completely tank your fitness. Like your fitness will go down a little bit, but if you're to the point where you're racing poorly, and I agree with Andrew that if you've gotten to that point, you it, you already should have taken your mid-season break. You shouldn't have let it get to that point. But if you've gotten to that point, um, the answer is not more training. The answer is less training. And the answer is taking a mid-season break.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, you already, you already mentioned, um, how long you take off. You said you take a week off. Um, Mm -hmm. what are there, are there different amounts of times that you guys prescribe to your athletes? Um, is there a minimum for this to be effective? And then what do you do during, during that, that period of, of rest? Is it, completely off the bike is it easy rides um is it a good time to catch up on work um should you you know fill your time with summer softball mm-hmm. league you know what's happening
3: <laughs> yeah i it it the length of the midseason break depends on how cooked you are i would say <laughs> if you're feeling relatively fresh and you're like, oh, I could do another five races before I take a mid-season break, but this is like the natural lull in my season, so I guess I'll take it now, then, you know, maybe you can get away with a three- or four-day break, which I, I would say is on the short side. If you're really cooked and you're like, I don't want to look at my bike right now, then I would say the longer end of that is six to seven days. So, I guess the absolute shortest that it could possibly be if you're fresh as a daisy is three days and the absolute longest that it should be if you don't want to look at your bike is seven days and you can be the judge of, of where you fall on that spectrum. And as far as what you do during your break, uh, as as far as physical activity, don't do anything. I mean, if you, (laughs) like, if you have to coach your little league team, then do that. But like, this is not a time to, like, go on hikes. It's not a time to, to I don't know, like, you know, uh, I, like, have a leisurely ride for some reason because you don't know what else to do with your life. Like, don't do anything. Just sit on the couch.
0: And, and it is yeah, this, it is this, tough. This you know, it's, like, heat of summer. You know, like, you want to, you know, maybe you have friends, family, a partner who has been bothering you to, like, Go kayaking with them or, um, you know, go, go do the, like the summer activity that you haven't been able to do, you know, try and I would say like, let's be realistic here, like try and compromise, you know, try and try Mm -hmm. and find an activity that you can share with the people who are in your life that isn't super physically strenuous, you know, like go to New York City, Mm -hmm. take a carriage tour, you know, like sit in the back of the the buggy (laughs) They'll pull you around New York. All right, I'm gonna. Uh, what, what do you call it, Central Park? <laughs> I'm gonna have Go to ahead,
2: um, completely disagree with with you guys. I, I when I'm when I have a week off the bike, I totally book myself of like, all right, I'm remodeling my bathroom this week, and I'm like, because when else do I get uninterrupted days to just do housework or whatever? And to me, that's what I do most of the time. Is like if I've got a whole day whole day where i don't have any else anything else it's like i have to get all my tools out and the wood and go to the hardware store like all of the that stuff takes so long i want to do it all in just one fair sweep so i'm like if i got seven days off the bike that Mm. bathroom or that basement whatever is getting fixed
1: yeah i so i would say for for me and my athletes like I don't usually restrict them to tell them that they can't do any activity just because one, that's not super fun Two, it's not super practical. Um, So because that though, I usually recommend a little bit longer break. So if you're only taking three or four days off the bike, then sure, there's no need to fill that time with hiking or trail running or canoeing or whatever else you want to do, or probably not enough time to remodel your bathroom either. Um, so because of that, I usually, I usually tell them, let's take five days minimum, like lock your bike in the closet. Um, I don't want you like breaking your bike down, cleaning all your bearings, re, you know, assembling everything like that's, that's not going to, that's not the mental break we're going for. Like literally put it away. Um, and then after five days we'll reassess. Sometimes they need another day or two. Uh, sometimes they'll say like, Hey, I, you know, can I, you know, get just do some other physical activity. Um, but usually if we take five to seven days, it kind of allows for you, like, you know, you'll naturally take a day or two of rest and then you'll just kind of, you know, naturally fill in some of that time, just doing other activities. Um, and I, I usually think that's fine. Uh, hopefully none of my athletes ever get to the point where it's a forced rest period or, or, you know, break mid season break, uh, meaning that they're so cooked that we just have to randomly put one in. Um, almost always it's scheduled ahead of time. They know it's coming up. They know it's going to come like right after peak form. I explained to them like, you know, part of the midseason break is we kind of need a reset because we're going to go back into sort of like base training mode. After this, we're going to be doing some higher volume or whatever. We're going to be kind of touching on some of the things that we sacrificed during this peak build. Um, so you kind of just need a reset after that. Um, so, you know, and I think that helps a lot. I think if you just spring a, a mid season break on an athlete out of nowhere, They're not quite emotionally ready for that. Uh, You know, maybe they were expecting some harder training coming up or maybe they like had a race planned a couple weeks later and they didn't know that they were going to all of a sudden take this midseason break. So usually what I'll do, like when we're mapping out this season at the beginning of the year, is whenever your first peak event is, and that's kind of what we're talking about here, like, okay, we're going to take our midseason break right after that. Uh, That way they kind of know what to expect. And a lot of times it works out well because they'll plan like a vacation around that time. Um, That's another thing that I try to tell most of my athletes not to do is like bring (laughs) their bike with them on vacations with their families. Like I usually try and either front load or back load their training around that vacation because that's super stressful. Like whatever training stimulus you might get from bringing your bike on a family vacation could easily be offset by the fact that you're not or you're super stressed the whole time trying to figure out when to do these rides. Um so some, you know a lot of times I'll try and tell my athletes like hey this is a great time to do that midsummer road trip or vacation time with your family.
2: I was going to um ask a question cuz I have an athlete like this. Um he says I'll give him I, he, I, he's actually in it right now in midseason break and he'll say well I'm still going to ride uh just one hour easy rides no, you know, no structure. And he's like, really, dude, I need this. Like I need to get away from my job. See, this is like, this is, this is this is like my, this is my like relaxing chill out. And I don't like, I, and I can't, like I've told him every time every, I've coached him for a couple years. And every time we have one of these breaks, I'm like, Hey man, I don't think you should touch your bike at all this week. And he's like, no man, I need to.
3: So it's like, what do I do? Like, yeah, this is why... So, you know, you were talking about remodeling your bathroom. Uh, you know, uh, I, I guess, if, you know, it was thrown out like, oh, you know, trip with your family, whatever. When I say don't do anything, I don't mean like, you know, be a dick and just like lay on the couch while your wife is like trying to like wrangle the kids. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like don't put your bike clothes on and go for an easy spin during your break and and also don't put your running shoes on and go for an easy run like never go out the door with the mindset that you're trying to get any sort of physical activity like if you happen to take a walk in the park with your family that's fine but like physical activity like you should not be trying to do any sort of physical activity during the break
1: Yeah, it it needs to be a a week or it needs to be a break from training is is what it is. Mm -hmm. So if whatever you're doing feels like training, then you're doing it wrong Um, because that's what we're trying to give you your body, you know, mental and physical break from is just training.
2: Right, we've talked about it. Yeah,
1: don't don't pick up some other, you know, like, you know, don't go do an hour of laps in the pool. Like that's not Mm -hmm. a break from training.
3: Yeah, because um, Drew, but I, think, I have I have athletes exactly <laughs> and I have had athletes exactly like what you're saying. Like they can't they can't imagine not riding their bike for five days. So they're just like, oh, I'll just do I'll just do easy rides. It's like, no, not easy rides. So you literally don't ride tell them. Don't ride. I should
2: tell this. guy. Yeah, I mean, I know. No, I'm your coach. Listen to me. Trust me. Don't touch your bike.
3: Yeah, and a lot of times if you t- you got to tell him, like, you're going to actually be faster if you do this. Well, like, well I'm not going to
2: hear have that. this conversation. I'm just going to send him this podcast and he'll hear it via
4: podcast.
3: <laughs> right, sure.
4: <laughs> well, sure. I hope like,
3: sometimes Sometimes you need to be explicit and say, you will be faster if you do this. Yeah, got it.
0: Well, maybe, I mean, I was going to say, and I hope his wife isn't listening, if he's listening, but maybe he like needs to get away from his partner. Like maybe that's you know like you 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 go to the ice cream I think it's more shop, of a job. That, he needs a single no. old man who's like eating <laughs> eating an ice cream cone. You're like, yeah, that guy's getting away from something. <laughs> He's retired no. now. He's at home all the time. He's like, I no. have to go get milk.
2: <laughs> guys, marriage is great. You guys don't. No. 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 Marriage I'm not
0: great. knocking marriage.
3: Nobody. Nobody
2: saying. does that nobody gets away nobody wants to just leave to get away cj <laughs> is listening to the now podcast screw uh, up um uh, <laughs> no this guy i think he just like he gets really stressed out of his job and so he he does these rides on his lunch break at, at work so like i see it helps you him take up smoking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh Maybe yeah, I so Drew, I mean, he, he
1: <laughs> Drew, he might be a good candidate for taking his mid-season break whenever a vacation is planned. And I don't know, maybe he doesn't take vacations, and if he doesn't, then you should advocate that he does.
2: That was literally um, our plan. He he had a work trip to go to, to Vietnam, and I was like, perfect. You can't bring your bike. That's when your season, end, end of the season, or mid-season break will be. And he said, great. And trip got canceled at the last second. He's like, oh, I'm not going. I'm gonna ride this week, and I'm like, no,
1: don't ride. Go to Vietnam. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, oh, well. so you know, and you know, so going back to it, um, you know, like like who who are the you know who, what athletes are midseason breaks for, and and when should you schedule them? Like, I would say if, if your race season spans six months consecutively. So, like, if you start racing in March and you race at least through July or August, you're, you need a midseason break. So maybe this guy, maybe he races for a couple months in the spring then he races for a couple months in the fall or something. Like, if you have a natural break in your two seasons that you race, then, you know, maybe you don't need the mid-season break as much. But it's, it's more so when you have this super condensed, dra- drawn-out season uh, that spans six, seven, eight months like a lot of people end up doing. I
2: was going to bring up a question that, that kind of Adam just brought up. Um, So you, you know, Adam, you mentioned I have pro Nats, amateur Nats, and then I'm taking a break. Um, I actually don't, I haven't really thought of that as a mid season break. I almost think of that as my end of the season break. Cause for me, the purpose, and maybe this is like another thing is like, what is the purpose of your break? But the purpose of me taking that week off after amateur Nats is, uh, cross is coming man hashtag cross is coming and so I do have like more crits on the calendar in August but uh you know that's all kind of just build up for cross so for me the break that I'm taking at the beginning of July isn't like the middle of my crit season necessarily it is but more so it's kind of like here's the reset button before I start training for cross because then that gives me all of July and August to really get a big volume block in before cycle cross starts. Um, so, I mean, it's like, I don't know if, so but I guess my question is, is there a difference between the mid-season break and the end of the season break? And what does that look like?
0: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I do the same thing, drew. I mean, for me, it's also definitely not like a, a mid-season break. Um, I still do personally like to have a couple of good, um, you know, races on the road before I kind of transition across. So it, it's sort of a mid-season break, but right. I think that the better way to think about it is, you know, not separating the two disciplines. You just say, this is my mid competitive season break, right? So it's not Mm -hmm. mid, you're not your mid road season break, it's your mid competitive season break. So let's say your competitive season is nine months long. It should be sort of in the middle of that. Um, But you do have to, of course, give some consideration to the the disciplines, Um, which one is more important to you, maybe. Is the training different between the two? And so I think for our cycle cross listeners out there, um, you know, this break sort of has to come two or three months before cross season, because otherwise there's never going to be an opportunity to sort of reinvigorate your base. I think the only scenario mm-hmm. where it would be at a slightly different time is if um, maybe whatever you're doing before cross, whether it's mountain bike or road, starts really late. So, I, you know, I, I do have some athletes for whom, like, they do base. These are cyclocross athletes. They do base all the way, basically, like, through May, right? You know, maybe cyclocross racers who race into January, February. So, you know, Drew raced Worlds. You know, he's, he's an example of that. Maybe you take... I was, an, um, I
2: was an alternate.
0: He was an alternate. It doesn't matter. But, you know, he, <laughs> in spirit, he's like Team USA. You know? he, <laughs> he's you raced go. it before. <laughs> It races yes.
2: Okay. <laughs> so yes. you
0: race you race through worlds. You know, you basically have to take all of March off. And you still need to get in base. April, May, maybe even June, you're doing base. Um, and then like your crit oh. season or your mountain bike season maybe is takes place during your builds, and then you would go straight into cross. So it it does it does depend, but I think um yeah, like May, May, end of June is is probably the latest you could do with a with wanting to start cross on time, you know, which is sort of yeah. in September. Um, yeah, that's that always nice. Sort of I was just going to say that brings up the next. Yeah. What were you
2: going to say, Drew? Uh, that's like I, I was going to say, sorry. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm going to say. Like the way you described it makes sense because I definitely this midseason break that I'm about to take in a couple weeks is like one week off the bike. But after cross season, I'll take. At least two weeks where I'm just like, yeah, I'm
3: I'm chilling out for a while. And that, that's, that's what, what I, I was gonna say to your question what about what's the difference between a mid season break and an off season break. Yeah. So for those who don't know, the the mid season break is what we've been talking about. It's in the middle of the season. Off season break is when you, the last race of your season is done and you take it immediately afterwards. Um and it's not, you know, hopefully when you take your off season break, you don't have another race for like another four months at least. Right. Yeah. And I would say that the main difference is the length of the break. So if a mid season break is three to seven days, depending on how you feel, I would say that the off season break is seven to 14 days, depending on how you feel like seven days. If you're still feeling fresh, for some reason at the end of the off season <laughs> or at the end of the season. And then 14 days, if you're like really cooked and you really feel like you need a break. Yeah. Good.
0: Yeah. And and so what I was going to say before, and we've already touched on this a little bit is, is what happens after the mid season break? Like, what does it look like to get back into training? Like what, are, what, are, what is the goal? Um, you know, and let's, let's assume, let's just kind of think about this as like a case study where, you know, somebody races nationals in June, and then they have, um, you know, like one week off, and then you're at July. You have July, August, September to race again. So you have three three more months of racing. What happens after the midseason break? What do we do?
3: I would say it depends on how soon around the corner your next uh, peak is.
0: Let's say you've planned your season perfectly, and, and you're going to peak for like... The Gateway Cup on Labor Day weekend. Hmm. Is that the right one? Labor Day? One Ga- Gateway it's Cup like yeah, I think September.
2: So. So yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, like
3: that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, going back to what Adam said, it would be great to uh if you could touch up on your base a little bit. Um, you know, because that's probably something that you've been ignoring for at least a month, trying to build up this peak, if not longer. Um Sometimes there's time for that. Sometimes there's not time for that. If you've got races right around the corner, but
2: I think it's nice. I think maybe some people think, "Oh, I just took a break. I need to go back to the start," and so they maybe they make the mistake of like, "Oh, I need to go all the way back to base one." Um, but you've already done a ton of base this spring, right? Like if you've done a solid base season from January to March, three months of solid base. When we say touch up on. You could probably just jump straight into like base two or base three, um, and kind of like speed that up. Because if you go all the way back to like base one, uh, you're not going to be able to sc- you're, you're not going to be able to get in the proper training before your next event because there's not going to be enough time. So you kind of have to speed up the process and jump into the later stages of base season. That way, you do like basically like one maybe two months of base training, and then you're right back into build.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And and that's usually the distinction I make with my athletes for the difference between uh, the kind of mid-season base versus the early season base is that, you know, a lot of times early season we're doing maybe an intensity session once every two or three weeks. And it's usually tempo or low threshold or something. You know, that's kind of that base one, base two stage um, but when we get back into base mode after your midseason break, and we've got another race that we're trying to build and peak for in a couple months, usually that base period is maybe going to be two to three weeks high volume. But we're still going to do one really high intensity session during each of those weeks as like a, a maintenance mode. Um, and and the the reason for that is we we can we we still have this high intensity that we've built up over the last couple months uh so so the the um you know the energy systems already kind of capped off we're just going to maintain that we're not trying to improve that at all but we want to we we don't want to go back to the start so we want to be able to con- you know have enough room in the schedule to build volume back up we're kind of you know that's the main focus for those few weeks um but but we don't want to ha- we don't want to go back to square one so we want to have some uh kind of like higher starting point when we do get back into whatever energy system we're focusing on in the buildup for that second peak Um, and usually, you know, traditional, you know, periodization there, uh, you know, maybe, maybe for that, uh, those three weeks that we're doing the kind of base mode of, you know, mid-season base, uh, we're doing like either long or, you know, short threshold or long VO2, kind of that five to eight minute efforts, um, kind of just, you know, carrying some of that, that, uh, you know, high threshold, uh, type work, uh, throughout that base,
0: Yeah. Yeah, and one thing we haven't touched on yet that I want to say is, you know, I've had a lot of athletes where after their midseason break, their second peak of the season, let's say, the Gateway Cup on Labor Day weekend, that's actually where they do their best. You know, so in other words, the second peak is higher than the first, and it makes sense. You know, it's um the midseason break is sort of the same concept that we're applying on like A weekly scale or a monthly scale—it's sort of like um, what do you call it? Like a fractal, (laughs) you know? Like the pattern (laughs) just keeps repeating itself under like larger and larger scales, right? And the reason why we rest is so we can adapt, you know, and like get ourselves above water, get out of Davy Jones' locker, um, and then we can take on more load. Yes. And and in this case, it's you know we built a ton of fitness up to our first peak. Maybe we get up to 100 CTL. You know, we we taper a bit down to 90, 95. We take a break, it drops more to 80. But if we're starting back up at 80 and then we have another like we're totally refreshed, that's still a lot of fitness. You know, and so we can build to an even higher peak. Um, you know, and, and so it's I guess what I'm trying to say is don't be afraid of the midseason break. You know, especially, you know, if you're if your A race, your first peak didn't go as you wanted it to. This is a really big opportunity to kinda of refresh yourself, um, you know, figure out what didn't work for you, what did work for you, and achieve like you know, achieve the result that you know that you're capable of. So it it's I, I think it's a cool thing, it's it's positive and um, you know, it's uh you know, an opportunity to be your best again. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um, we all talk about periodization. You know, like periodization is this is this training method of going through different phases of training. You've got the macro cycle, which is like the big, this is my season. And then you've got your micro cycle, which is like your week to week. But in between there, you've got mesocycles. And in between those mesocycles is probably when those breaks are happening, at, like those like m- mid-season or, or where you're, you're kind of chunking your – um, your big whole year into smaller chunks, um, and I say all that to say it's all a part of the process. You know, like those 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 mid season breaks and those off weeks are a part of periodization. If you take those out, what you have left is is now not periodization, um, and and periodization has like been proven for years and years to be pretty much the the best training methodology out there. So, having a coach who's telling you yeah, you know, I'm using periodization to get you to your peak fitness for your A races. And then you to like not listen to them and not take the midseason break is like just counterintuitive. You know, it's almost like you got to trust the process even when it doesn't, you know, even if you don't quite understand what's going on. And hopefully, and, and I, I think we, you know, we hit this pretty hard with Ignition and all of our coaches, but like one of our core values, if we were to have, uh, marketed core values, I'd say the number one thing would be education. Um, like we want our coaches showing our athletes exactly why they're doing certain things. That's always been something that I've, you know, hit really hard on with, with even my own coaching is like, I'm going to explain to my athletes why they're doing something, because if they understand why they're doing something, they're probably way more likely to actually commit to doing that. Like, For example, if the doctor a couple years ago had told me why I had to wear my cast for three weeks when I broke my hand, I probably wouldn't have cut it off after two weeks. But he didn't tell me why it had to be three weeks. And so after two weeks, I'm like, oh, this thing's all better. I cut my cast off and it was a mistake because I didn't understand what was happening behind it. It was just like ignorance. Mm. So
0: Yeah. Well, and if you don't believe us, go on to YouTube when you when you're done listening to this and find one of those, you know, there's loads of them videos of somebody who says, "I did max squats every day for 2 years. Here's what happened." <laughs> the consequences are they actually didn't get much stronger. Um they questioned their life every day and uh they're never going to do a squat again. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, do you? Uh, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs>
3: Yeah, this is like one of those, uh, one of these things that every time I hear it, I just cringe is when, when somebody says, now I don't know how true this is. This is usually just what people say when they're trying to tell you how fit one of their relatives or one of their friends are. They'll be like, yeah, my, my uncle runs five miles every morning. He just does that every morning. That's his thing. And I was like, why like, that's terrible. Why? <laughs> every morning five miles exactly and he never takes a day off that's the worst training i could think of (laughs) like it's it's not periodized at all like it's not changing so he's not getting fitter and at the same time like he's never he's never getting any rest because he does that every single day um yeah yeah your uncle jim's a fool (laughs) (laughs)
1: Hey, so I was going to ask one question for you, Dylan. So going back to what Andrew said, where he was saying that oftentimes the second peak of the season is the highest Mm -hmm. or or better of the two peaks. Have you ever thought about starting your season in like September and then having your second peak be unbound?
3: Um, I don't think that my second peak is Actually, usually my highest. To be honest with you, I feel like it's usually yeah because a little bit.
1: Unbound comes at your first peak, and it ruins you. <laughs> I guess. I guess.
3: <laughs> yes, this is the well, honest Adam. This is honest um, Adam. We need you. Yes, well, I that haven't was always. So good. I haven't always trained for Unbound. Like I've only done Unbound three times, so that means Unbound was only a part of my season three times, and I've been racing bikes for I don't know, well over ten years at this point. So. So even before Unbound, you're saying your second peak of the year wasn't always better? I mean, I've had good second peaks before, but if I'm being honest, I when feel like... Well, you didn't race Unbound. No. <laughs> no. That's not true. <laughs> I've raced Unbound and had a good second
2: peak. What we're (laughs) saying, Dylan, is that you have a toxic relationship with Unbound, and we're concerned.
3: Drew was trying to tell me. (laughs) Drew and I have this argument about, like, he's he's like, oh, dude, you care way too much about Unbound. And I'm like, if you're a gravel racer, you need to care the most you possibly can about Unbound because it's the most important race. It's, like, literally a career-changing race if you win. Yeah. And
2: he's like, we, we did have that I mean, argument, we were,
3: but you didn't say if you're a gravel racer. You were trying to tell me that Unbound is the I, I, most actually, important race. I'm going to be, I'm gonna be on, in the U.S. There's not a race that you could win in the U.S. that would change your career more than winning Unbound. And all I said was that, no, I,
2: I don't think that was even the argument. The argument was, is it the biggest race? <laughs> and I said, some uh, people it is would the biggest say race some the people would say that Tulsa's the biggest race. Oh my god! Like, biggest weekend of racing. Uh, yeah, and but, but, to, but to your disbelief, there are some people who don't give a rip about Unbound.
3: I I know. Yeah, I but know the world tour, tour teams are people. not recruiting from Tulsa. I know there's plenty of people that don't care about <laughs> Unbound. I'm saying more people care about Unbound than any other bike race in the U.S. Well, see, man, it's a fad. <laughs> sure, it could <laughs> be a fad. In five years, Unbound could be trash. Like you know, yeah, we're gonna could be racing on be the, the moon case. in five years. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying, in the year 2022, there is not a bike race in the U.S. that you could win that would change your career more than if you won Unbound. Whoa! Yeah. You could go from an unsponsored gravel
0: rider
2: to a sponsored gravel rider <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the that's the life that's painting. not nothing right there that's not nothing. Right. Well, let's All uh right.
1: let's end end this thing there
2: yeah any <laughs> other comments on mid-season breaks i think we've i can't a even remember
1: what adam asked me to be honest
2: with yeah me. yeah because you're just you're so caught up with we, unbound we, that we were you, talking <laughs>
1: about it's the second second peak so that you could actually come into oh unbound yeah your I, so form. i'm
3: gonna be i'm gonna be honest um I don't actually think that my second peak is better than my first peak, usually. I mean, I've had good second peaks before, but I don't... It's not typical. (laughs) Myself. (laughs) Do you think that's probably because...
2: All right, look. I I think I have a a theory behind this. Do you think that's because, Dylan, you've always targeted ultra-endurance events, and base season is endurance-focused, so technically your first peak would be if you do all of your base season and that's when you focus on endurance, then to, you know you're going into that first peak, having done more specific training,
3: right? You know what I, you know what I think it has more to do with is uh, something that Andrew is talking about, where you shouldn't take your first break uh, when you're absolutely smoked. You should take it before that. I'm very bad about doing that. I'll just load up the calendar with a ton of races. Yeah and uh and I just race until I am completely cracked and then I take That's a like literally break. what
1: I was just saying
3: <laughs> and then I yes. take a midseason break and I feel better <laughs> but it probably would have been even better if I wasn't fully cracked when I started the midseason break this it's is literally really what hard. happened this year like you've raced that, 20 no, weekends and it, in a row right now you're six
2: <laughs> and you were forced to take a midseason break right
3: no I wasn't I was gonna take it anyway but like you're so when I. What are the when odds that talking, you get
2: sick right on your planned midseason break? That's like a sign from the
3: periodization or the training guys yeah, saying you sure. need to take a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do need to take a break. But what I, you're so you know, it's funny. You're acting like like uh, I've never over raced before, and I over race almost <laughs> every single year. It's like a it's a lesson that I never learn. Yeah. Dylan just loves. So, so maybe we so need to much. send this podcast to Dylan. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, Dylan, you need to sure. listen, listen. But to it I'm very good about
3: medicine. taking a midseason break. I'm not very good about not over racing, is what I'm saying. So yeah. if we have a podcast about not over racing, that's definitely one I need to listen to. That'd be a good topic. We we could definitely do that. Cool. All right. That's enough. The shark, I think the shark has <laughs> jumped.
2: Jones. Davy Jones's locker has been closed <laughs> shut. Boom. <laughs>
1: all right folks thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the matchbox podcast like i said at the beginning you can send any questions or topic suggestions to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email title the matchbox podcast links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes tune in next week for another endurance training related discussion and learn about how you can find that extra match for your next big event catch y'all soon let's go